I don't exactly remember the timing, but I think it was probably somewhere about 10 or 12 years ago. You could probably remind me of the exact date. But probably in my mind about 10 or 12 years ago, you remember in New York City, they had an anniversary celebration for the Statue of Liberty. You remember that? If I remember, it was probably somewhere around the mid to late 80s. And I was at that time on staff at uh, Grace Community Church, and I was given an assignment because there were a number of our young people who were going to be leaving uh, to go do some mission work on the streets of New York City uh, because obviously there was going to be a grand celebration of the anniversary of the erection of the Statue of Liberty. And so I was asked if I would take on the responsibility of writing two gospel tracts, which I obviously warmly agreed to do so because I couldn't think of a better thing to do to share the gospel by writing some tracts that would be used by the Grace Church young people as they would pass those out among the millions of people who would be gathering for that celebration. And I was asked in this assignment to write one tract on life and one tract on liberty, obviously bouncing off of the theme of the light that the uh, Statue of Liberty holds in her hand and also the concept of liberty that it stands there in the harbor as a symbol for all of those who come to America on the New York side so that they are now free. And so I commenced to writing those tracts, and then those tracts were ultimately published and printed, and I don't know how many of those tracts were ultimately distributed, but I know it was probably in the hundreds of thousands. And there was another church in Manhattan, Manhattan Bible Church, Pastor Tom Maharis, who was also involved in that project and was really the one who kicked off the campaign to share the gospel with those two tracts. And I remember thinking to myself while I was in my office writing those tracts that this is probably the greatest opportunity I've ever had to share my faith in Christ. And even though I wasn't able to go there myself personally and hand out those tracts, I thought, what a way to shine my light. What a way to share my truth with others. And as I thought about shining my light and sharing my truth, I thought of Mark chapter 4, verses 21 to 25. And I think it's appropriate for us to read this portion of Scripture as the setting for our evening together. Mark 4, 21. And he was saying to them, a lamp is not brought to be put under a basket or a peck measure, is it? Or under a bed? Is it not brought to be put on the lampstand? For nothing is hidden except to be revealed, nor has anything been secret but that it would come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he was saying to them, Take care what you listen to. By your standard of measure, it will be measured to you, and more will be given you besides. For whoever has, to him more shall be given, and whoever does not have, 
even what he has shall be taken away from him. The title of tonight's message is what I mentioned a moment ago, Shining the Light and Sharing the Truth. This is really a passage on stewardship. Stewardship. The Apostle Paul even made himself an amazing statement about stewardship. He said in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 to 2, these words, Let a man regard us in this manner, as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. In this case, moreover, it is required of stewards that one be found trustworthy. If there's one thing that everyone who sees himself as a steward must know, it is that a steward must be trustworthy. A steward must be faithful. Because stewardship itself, itself implies that there is something that I'm a steward of. And if I'm the steward of something, I'm called upon by God himself to be a trustworthy steward. And what Mark talks about in Mark chapter 4, verses 21 to 25, is a stewardship. We have all been entrusted with the responsibility to be a steward. And in this case, Mark uses two metaphors that describe our stewardship. The metaphor of light and the metaphor of the truth. Light and freedom, light and liberty, light and the truth. Now this matter of our stewardship is really commonly spoken of in the New Testament, especially as it relates to the stewardship of our light and the stewardship of our truth. With regard to the stewardship of our light, Matthew says it this way in Matthew 5, 14 and 16. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do men light a lamp and put it under the basket or peck measure, but on the lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good work and glorify your Father who is in heaven. What Matthew is saying there and what Mark is saying here is that we've all been entrusted with a stewardship of light. We have a responsibility with the light that we have and we must be the faithful, trustworthy steward of that light. We're also commanded in Scripture with the stewardship of truth and our measure of receptivity to that truth. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 29, the Scripture says, For to everyone who has shall more be given, and he shall have an abundance. But from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away. Essentially, the very same words as what Mark pins here in Mark 4. And the reality of that passage is this. Every single person, then, has a stewardship of the truth, and we will be held accountable to that truth. And so, whether the Scripture speaks of the metaphor of light or of truth, we have a responsible stewardship 
of both that light and that truth. That is essentially the point that Mark is making in chapter 4, verses 21 to 25. Our stewardship of the light, verses 21 to 23, and our stewardship of the truth, verses 24 and 25. And if you gain nothing more from this message, I want you to gain the concept, the reality, the crucial necessity of understanding your stewardship, your responsibility to be a beacon of light to those around you and to be a repository, a a place where the truth dwells, so that when people see your life, they'll say, he has the light, he has the truth. His light is shining, the truth he is sharing. Now, I want you to first notice the stewardship of light. The stewardship of light. Verse 21 of Mark 4, he says, And Jesus was saying to them, A lamp is not brought to be put under a basket, is it? Or under a bed? Is it not brought to be put on the lampstand? What's Jesus referring to here? What is he using this metaphor, this analogy of light? What is he really talking about? Well, the way we need to understand it in its context is to understand what the culture at the time defined by these terms. First of all, let's think of the lamp itself. The lamp that Jesus has referenced to here was a saucer-shaped object with a handle on one end and a nozzle-shaped extension on the other where there would be a hole for a wick. And when he was referring to the peck measure, it's really an old word that is defined by what we would say today as a basket or a container, probably around two gallons. And then when he uses the term the bed, he's really talking probably not about a bed that might be rolled out for the night sleeping, but probably a small couch something that someone would use when they would be reclining at a table, say for breakfast or dinner or for supper. And when he uses these terms, he's really talking about those things that would be very common to the people of the day. It might be that in our day, he might say something like this. And he was saying to them, a lamp is not brought to be put under and then you could use any kind of analogy you wanted to to be put under a table, to be put in a dresser drawer, uh, to be put in a closet, to be put in the attic. The analogy simply is talking about the idea that if you have a lamp, the very functional necessity of a lamp is for it to be put up somewhere so that it might brighten the room. It really makes no sense at all to take a lamp and put it in a place where its light would not be able to shine brightly. It would be absurd for someone to take a lamp and place a container over it. This peck measure, this basket, it would be like taking a lamp and putting it right into the middle of the room so that it would light all of the environs around it, and you would take a container, a jug, a basket, and you would put it right over this lamp right on top of a lampstand so that it would obscure the light. This would 
really be ludicrous even for Jesus' own day. And it would be ludicrous for us today to say that that is the function of that lamp. He says, is not that lamp for the lampstand? Isn't it for the place where it would most expose the light to the room, to the area? And he says it's equally absurd to take a lamp and to put that lamp under a couch. You would want that lamp to be prominently displayed so that if you were, were reclining at that couch, you would be able to have light that would shine throughout all of the room so that you might be able to eat or recline in peace. One of the great Bible commentators, R.C.H. Linsky, said it this way, Who would bring a lighted lamp just in order to set it where its light could do no good? If its light is not wanted, the lamp is not lighted in the first place or is blown out after having been lighted. When the lamp comes in, this is done in order that it be placed upon the lampstand to light those in the room. Now, that's pretty simple, pretty easy for all of us to understand. Here's the more difficult question to answer. What is the lamp? What is the light? If the light is to be prominently displayed... What is it? Because he says here in verse 22, For nothing is hidden except to be revealed, nor has anything been secret, but that it would come to light. He's obviously using a metaphor, but the question we want to ask tonight is, what is the light? What does it signify? What is the metaphor pointing to? And I believe the answer to the question is found in the text itself. Notice when it says, when it comes to light in verse 22. You know that that is actually a word that has an article in front of it, that it would come to the light. So it's talking about a specific light, the light. And that helps me greatly because that answers the question for me. The answer to the question is the light is a reference to none other than the Lord Jesus Christ himself. He is the light. You say, how can you be so sure? Well, turn in your Bibles to John chapter 8. John chapter 8, specifically in verse 12. John 8, 12. And you know where I'm going with this. I'm going to define for you the concept that Jesus himself is referred to as the light. This is really what defines this passage for us. Jesus is talking about himself. He's saying that the light, myself, is not to be taken into a room and put under a bed or a couch or to have a container draped over it so that that light would be obscured. It says in John 8, 12, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am. I am. And he uses that phrase that is only used of Yahweh. I am, and then he qualifies it, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in the darkness, but shall have the light of life. Jesus is saying that the lamp, the light, is none other than myself. And I was never designed by the Father's plan and will to be obscured. I was always and forever planned to shine brightly, to, to be shining prominently. 
In fact, even in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, the scripture says, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. So Jesus himself is the light. In fact, in John's gospel, in John chapter 1, verse 9, in fact, all the way back up to verse 7, there was a man who was sent from God, verse 6, whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. There was the true light which coming into the world enlightens or lights up every man. Jesus is the light. That's what he is saying about himself. In fact, you really can't even understand this passage unless you affirm the truth that Jesus is actually referring to himself. It really doesn't make sense. There's another reason why I take this to mean Christ himself. In verse 21, he says, The lamp is not brought. Do you see it there in Mark 4.21? He says, The lamp is not brought. It is not brought to be put up on the lampstand, is it? Do you see that the word brought, at least in my translation, is in italics? That means that it's been supplied there. And probably, unfortunately, in this case, because literally, the text could read this way. Does the lamp come? It's the word for come, not the word to be brought. In other words, a lamp is not something that is coming unless we're talking about a person. Because lamps don't come on their own, do they? They're brought. They're brought by someone else. And this text says that the lamp is coming. It is to come. And that absolutely solidifies it for me. The lamp is going to come. And when the lamp comes, it is not coming to be put on. Uh, it is coming to be put on a lampstand and not under a basket or under a bed. And so the lamp comes, and the lamp is none other than Christ himself. The reason why this is so important is because Jesus is referring to himself. He's taking the metaphor, and he's saying that I am the light that comes into the world. And you don't bring the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ and hide it under a container, do you? You don't put it under a couch, do you? And the answer emphatically and rhetorically is no. It is not to be put under a bushel, to be put under a basket, to be put under a couch. It's to be prominently displayed. It is to be put on the lampstand so that everything around it will be lighted. Now you say, where do I fit in in this? Well, we have a stewardship and our stewardship is of Christ himself as the light. We have a stewardship to share Jesus Christ. When the lighted lamp comes, born by a servant, it is placed on a stand so that people in the room may see. And that servant is us, every one of us. We have the stewardship of prominently displaying Jesus Christ to a watching world. We have the opportunity to shine our light 
which is really not our light at all. It is the light of the glorious gospel of the grace of God found in Jesus Christ. That's the light of truth. That's the light of the gospel. That's the light of glory. It's the light of Christ. And we have the stewardship to shine that very light. That's where our stewardship comes in. We are the ones who have the stewardship that is entrusted to us of carrying the light that is to be placed in a dark room to illumine it. And if the metaphor is stretched all the way, the room that we have is the world itself. Your own sphere of influence. Your own workplace. Your own homestead. Your own relationships. Everyone around you should see in you the light of life the light of the glorious gospel of Christ. And how can we best shine that light? By allowing that light to shine through us and in us. That's our stewardship. We should allow the gospel of the Word of God to be so fully shining in our lives, that is, in our thinking and our attitudes and our words and our actions, so that we then ultimately would be that shining light that would be a beacon sitting on a hill for all of the world to see. Now you understand what Matthew is talking about when he says we're that beacon of light. We're that strobe light of truth. We're that light for which everyone will take direction. That's what that lighthouse is there for, isn't it? The lighthouse is there so that those ships in the harbor would know exactly the proper direction. And we're shining that light that shows the proper direction of the way to God. Now, it is true that the light is also used in Scripture to refer to the Word of God. But is not Christ himself also called the Word of God? Psalm 119.105, you know it well, says that thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Yes, that's true. And when we share the Word of God with others, we're sharing with them the glorious gospel of the truth of Jesus Christ, who's the very embodiment of truth. He's the very embodiment of the Word. I love what David says in 2 Samuel 22, 29, his anthem of praise, For thou art my lamp, O Lord, and the Lord illumines my darkness. The Lord illumines my darkness. Friends, we have a tremendous opportunity to share the glorious light of the gospel of Christ and to allow that light to pervade the darkness. Did you know that when you walk down the street, you may not be a physical light, but you're a spiritual one. You're a person who has the light of truth at your disposal, and you can share that light wherever you go. I was talking with someone this morning after the morning service, and he asked me the question about the workplace and about how the workplace ought to be used as a witness for the gospel. And we were talking about that, and we were affirming with each other the need for our light to shine in that workplace. Is that not a desperate place for that light to shine? Is that not, in some cases, in your experience, the most godless, the most wicked, the most darkened place you've ever been? You work with fellow employees who don't care anything about the Lord, and they don't have any time for you or for others. They're only looking at themselves. It's the darkness of their minds. The Scripture says that they're blind. 
that they don't have any capacity to understand spiritual realities because they are natural, they're dark. Boy, what an opportunity we have to shine as a light in, in that very darkness. We talked about the opportunity to use a passage like 1 Peter chapter 2 that says that servants are to be submissive to their masters, their employers, so that even if they suffer under an unreasonable or, or a perverse boss, when they suffer unjustly, they're entrusting themselves to God who judges righteously, and God will do his work in that place. God will take you, and he will take your life and your ministry, and he will turn that ministry into a glorious light, and you will then be shining for everyone to see. Oh, what a privilege. What a privilege. When I sat down before that computer and I wrote that track, I had consciously in my mind this thought. I am writing this track, and it has my name nowhere on it, and that's good, because the light of the glorious gospel of truth is the issue, and that track then was distributed to hundreds of thousands of people about the light of truth, and no one even knew I had anything to do with it. And I loved that. I loved the concept that I was totally uninvolved by name and by reputation. It was only the light of the truth that was the issue. And when people were walking around and they were celebrating in this Statue of Liberty festivity, they would be given a track, and as they would read that track, I dare say that God would have used that and the truth of the gospel to bring some people from darkness to light. What a privilege. What an opportunity. And you don't have to do that to where it's sent thousands of miles in another direction. You can do it in your own backyard. You can do it with your neighbors. You know, I've done everything I think I know to do to to be a witness to my neighbors. You know, it's very difficult to be a preacher in the neighborhood. It's very difficult because people don't want to talk with you. Because they think they're going to say something wrong. And so you are out working in your yard and you're playing with your kids and uh, they walk out of their house into their car and you sort of inch your way over there and, Hi, how you doing today? How are things going? And they say, fine. Fine. And I say to myself, Lord, give me an opportunity to, to get over there to talk with these people. And they're very skittish about talking to someone who they know is in the ministry. And so you have to be creative in other ways. You have to ask some of their children if they'll babysit your children. Yeah. It's a good one, isn't it? You have to use opportunities like Christmas cantatas and birthdays and anniversaries. And you have to do things for which they can see your light shining. Don't shy away. Shine your light. Let it be set on a hill. You're here. For the world to see. I love what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4 4. The God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Yes, that's true. Satan, the God of this world, he has blinded the minds of the unbelieving, but my God is stronger than the God of this world. And he will use me to share the glorious light of the gospel of Jesus Christ in a dark place. That's my stewardship. That's your stewardship. And you do it by your life, 
and you do it by your lips. It's not just enough for you to live your life for Christ. You must also proclaim Christ with your lips. When's the last time you had a conversation with someone and you said, let me ask you a question. Do you love the Lord? I was golfing one time. I remember this so vividly. And there were only three of us, and they put another fellow with us to have a fortune. And the three of us were all pastors of Grace Community Church. Boy, was this guy in for it. And so right on the first tee, I thought to myself, now this, this is going to be an excellent time because I have this man for 18 holes now. And so he hit off the first tee, and we all hit, and as we were walking along, I wanted right at the beginning. I didn't want to do it at the end because I know myself too well, and if I do it at the end, I might not ask him the question. So at the beginning of the first hole, we're walking down there, and I said, uh, Charlie, let me ask you a question. He didn't know what I did. He didn't know what my occupation was. He said, sure. I said, do you love the Lord? And that's a great question, isn't it? Because, first of all, they might not even know who the Lord is that you're talking about. And then that's your opportunity to tell them who the Lord is. And he said, well, as a matter of fact, I do. And I said, well, that's wonderful. Where do you attend the worship service? And he said, well, I go to the Catholic church. And I don't go that regularly. And I said, really, what's the name of that church? Always ask that question. Because if they're not really being completely honest with you, a lot of times they will not know the name of their church. And sure enough, he said, well, let's see, what is the name of that place? They couldn't come up with it. And I said, well, Charlie, I said, I love the Lord, and I go to church every Sunday. And the reason why I go to church every Sunday is because I need the Lord and His Word in my life every Sunday. And I said, I want to encourage you to be in a church that teaches God's Word and that you need to be in there every Sunday. Now, he, he knew he was off to the races with me at that point. And 18 holes, we talked about his relationship with the Lord. And he, about hole number five, said, now, what is it that you guys do? And I said, well, we're all three pastors. And he said, oh. <laughs> but if I didn't share the gospel with him, what would he have thought at hole number 18 or as we were walking off? And he said, by the way, what do you guys do for a living? And I said, well, we're pastors. I wonder if he might have asked himself this question. I wonder why they didn't ask me about what I do, where I go to church, whether or not I'm a religious person. You see, there's a tremendous opportunity to let your light shine. Is it, is it scary sometimes? Sure, sure it is. But remember this, courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is doing the thing you fear. That's courage. Courage is not the absence of fear, it's doing the thing you fear. If you fear witnessing, do it. Because if you do it, God will use you in such a way that people will come to Christ through your ministry. I will dare say this, if you don't witness for your faith in Christ, no one's going to come. No one's going to come. They'll be given the opportunity through somebody else who is a faithful Christian, who is witnessing the glorious gospel of the light of truth. That's your stewardship of light. In 
John chapter 12, verse 34. The crowd then answered him, We have heard out of the law that the Christ is to remain forever. And how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Jesus said to them, For a little while longer the light is among you. Walk while you have the light so that the darkness will not overtake you. He who walks in the darkness does not know where he goes. While you have the light, believe in the light so that you may become sons of light. You want to be a son of light? If you want to be a son of light, be in the light and then share the light of life. We also have a second stewardship. It's not only the stewardship of our light, our blessed Redeemer, but it is also the stewardship of truth. The stewardship of truth. In verse 24, Jesus says, Take care of what you listen to. Take care of what you listen to. What is he saying? He's saying, you better listen up. You better mark this down. That if you are a child of light, if you are attempting to allow the glorious light of Christ to be on that lampstand, for nothing to be hidden, for Christ to be revealed, for nothing to be secret, but that Christ Himself would be shown as the light for who He really is. And if you have spiritual ears to understand, understand this. Take care of what you listen to. By your standard of measure, it will be measured to you, and more will be given you besides. What's he saying? Well, it's all bound up in that phrase, by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. You know what he's saying? He's saying that the truth is in increments, measurements. The truth is available. The truth is before you. And if you, by your standard of measure, want to take in all the truth, all the truth will be given to you. But if you, by your standard of measure, want none of the truth, even the truth that you have at that moment will be taken away. This is really a very serious word by our Lord. He's saying if you want to be the steward of truth, if you want the truth, the truth will come to you in a rich and a profound way. But if you really aren't interested in the truth, if you're really not interested in receiving the profound riches of the Word of God, even the truth that you've received thus far will be taken away. That's why he says, you better take care. You better listen up. You better heed what I'm telling you. If you have the light, Christ, shine the light. If you have the truth, ask for more of it. And more will be given. But if you do not have the light, you will remain in the darkness. And if you do not care about the truth, even that which has been shared with you up to that point will be taken away. And you will be without the truth. Verse 25, For whoever has, to him shall more be given. What a glorious truth. 
if you're a seeker of truth, if you want more of the truth, if you have a spiritual appetite, if you want the profundity of the Word of God, more shall be given to you. Well, that is a great passage. That should be a passage that you should have in your Bible study. Lord, I understand a little bit of what I'm reading, a little bit of what I'm understanding, but I want to understand more of your truth. And God, by His own promise and will, will give you more of the truth to understand. But whoever does not have, whoever does not care, even what he has shall be taken away from him. What does that mean? Well, it means that the man who in his hardness of heart refuses to hear the truth shall suffer great loss because even what he has shall be taken away from him. That's exactly why Jesus said, be careful what you hear. And again, beloved, this fits perfectly with the twofold mission of Jesus Christ Himself. He will be to some the light of life and He will be to others the judge of their receptivity to truth. A person either gains or loses. He either advances or declines. There's nothing in between. Nothing. There's no ethereal middle in the search for truth and in our receptivity to light. You either grow, you either move forward, you either rapidly gain, or you lose. You go backwards. You decline. How are you doing tonight in your stewardship of light and truth? Do you embrace the light? Have you embraced the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you know Him as Savior and Lord? Do you know Him as the One who has transferred you from darkness to His marvelous light? And if so, are you growing in that light day to day? Do you wake up in the morning and ask yourself this question, Lord, show me more of the light of Your truth today. Allow me to know more about You today more than I knew yesterday. Do you receive the truth? Are you receptive to the glorious, precious Word of God? Do you read God's Word? Do you read it both for your witnessing to others in order to give a defense to anyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you? Do you Run to the truth so that it might give you direction for your life. Do you see it as the lamp for your path and a light to your feet? Do you see it that way? Are you endeavoring to live the truth of what you now know, knowing that more truth will be given for the more you are receptive to? Are you being blessed with more truth because you're growing in the truth you already know? Or are you rejecting the truth either by your omission of it or your commission of it? Are you rejecting the light? Are you involved in practices for only those who are involved in darkness? You see, really, you could reduce all of this down to light and truth. Truth and light. The light exposes and the truth reveals. The light gives us the path and the truth gives us the way. 
All of us are on a journey. Are you progressing or declining? Are you gaining or losing? I trust that you are being a faithful, trustworthy steward of the light and of the truth you have. Let's pray together. Father, this evening as we ponder our stewardship, are we the stewards of the light, Christ Himself? Do we take that stewardship seriously? Do we we attempt to place the light of Christ who's in our bosom on a lampstand or under the couch? Do we attempt to be that beacon, that city set on a hill glowing for the world to see? Or are we taking that light and placing it in a cave? Are we taking the truth? And are we imbibing the truth ourselves, growing from it, learning in it, and defending it to others? Or are we not really availing ourselves of the truth at all? Do we take the truth and do we allow it to light our path and to lead our way? Or do we stumble in the darkness because we don't take the opportunity to understand Your truth? Oh Lord, this is an opportunity for all of us, myself included. Would it be said of us when we stand before You one day that we have been the faithful, trustworthy steward of the light and the truth. Could we say like Paul that we've been found trustworthy? Do I share with my friends and neighbors in a way that the light of the Gospel can shine upon them? Do I care enough about them to do it? Do I allow the truth to come forth from my lips so that others may hear and find the path. Father, I pray for these people that they would not go away from a message like this and continue as they have. And even if they've been faithful, I pray that You would challenge them to excel still more, reach out even more. I pray that our church would reach out with the light and the truth in order for that light to shine and for the truth to reveal the person of Christ to a dark world. I pray that they will go to that table in the back, in the lobby where Curtis and others have assembled evangelistic materials for which we can all gain. We can use these for Your honor and for Your glory. We can take that little notebook that Curtis had printed and that we can use that notebook by placing in it names of people that we're praying for, that we're witnessing to, asking You to give us a great and glorious result. Lord, we ask tonight that You would make us ever more faithful to shining our light and sharing the truth. And when we do, it's 
so marvelous and wonderful that our names and our personalities and our church is not the issue. The issue is the light and the truth. The messenger is almost incidental. Thank you for a wonderful time today. Thank you for challenging us to be the characteristic new man and for shining our light and for sharing the truth. May you be pleased with what, with what we have shared today and with how we've changed from this point forward. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. And everyone said, Amen.